welcome to our podcast. Not prod. I can't. It's pod. I think I think I need to speak language mythologies right about now. Let's try that one again. Hello, SLPs. Welcome to True Confessions with Lisa and Sarah. Okay, can start confessing now. This is so cheesy. Well, hi, Lisa. Hey, Sarah. How are you today? You know, uh, my ADD is kicking in to high gear right now, and I mean that in the best of ways. I'm looking around at our new confessional, Yep. and we had somebody paint it with all kinds of cool phrases, and I just, I'm not even like paying attention to how close I am to you right now. Good. I did this. I wanted to decorate the room a little bit, so we didn't feel like we were in a closet. It's amazing. It really is cool, but you could totally squirrel on it. We'll, we'll post a picture, but it's all common things that we say or have said on this podcast, and it's pretty cool. Like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Pretty much the entire 30 minutes is blah, <laughs> blah, blah. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> no, I love it, though. It's like really, it's fun. It's cool. I am looking. We did put a couple curse words on the wall, um, and one of them being... S-H-I-T, because after listening to last week's episode or two weeks ago, whenever that was, I didn't realize how much I cuss. I really don't think you do. I think you're just hypersensitive to it. Yeah, I heard it. And I thought, I literally think I counted six times at least I said that word. And I have mixed emotions about that one. I mean, that's the real life. That's what you get. But then also, I mean, I don't want to be crass. I am going to implement a new policy as HR that we're going to have a swear jar. Oh my gosh, you'll be rich. Yep, and then I will get to use that money for pedicures okay. and facials. It's probably a good idea. My mother always used to say I sound like a sailor. <laughs> I actually, I want that t-shirt that, have you ever seen that shirt that says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little? I think so. Yeah, I should, yeah, yeah. I should have that shirt. Okay. Anyway, so my goal for this episode is I want to swear less. I also need to talk slower. This is a lifelong problem. Well, and all I can think think of is when you say that your mom thinks you're a sailor is that because you're surrounded by semen <laughs> oh my gosh what i can't <laughs> i literally can we even put this in <laughs> i don't even know what to say um and so let's um digress oh, to okay. the confession <laughs> jeez i have to get back on track for that one now i'm really thrown off what were we even talking about today <laughs> Uh, that you were a sailor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. Sorry about that. Okay. We should be doing the podcast about do we really like each other today after that comment. You love me. We're going to save that one. Yeah. So I actually am excited for today's episode, though, because I think um, it comes from seeing some things that have been popping up in some Facebook groups. Um, and then um, I had actually kind of heard this phrase during a presentation a couple months back, but today's confession is called There Is No Shame in Our Game, and we are going to talk about SLP shaming. Like, this is a real thing. Well, and sometimes we shame ourselves, too. For real. So whether it be ourselves or other SLPs, it is a real thing. Yeah. And um, Asha just put something out recently about, um, I think it was really coming from when they were, when sometimes you'll see in these groups, uh, some of the, the shaming comes from not using evidence-based practice. And so people will kind of go on the attack, like how dare you not use EBP, you know, and and people can be very outspoken about that. I think it's a very hot topic issue. Um, And so Ashley just kind of said like, don't engage, 
don't, you know, go in those message boards and attack. Right. But if you really have concerns that are genuine and kind of think of this will parallel to real life too, not just our online life, but reach out to that person individually. You don't do it in a group right? and you don't post it in the comments. And there's a lot of anonymity, I think in general, even if your name is there, you're not having to say it to somebody's face. So yeah. sometimes- People love to hide behind that keyboard. Yep. It can be very dangerous. And so that was, it was an article that just was published in the leader. So they were talking about in general, how we are now using these online resources, which is great. It's okay to reach out with questions and concerns about our field um, and use that as one of our ways, but you still ultimately have to use your clinical judgment and always be professional, whether you are the one asking the question or providing some information. Right. And I had first kind of heard this idea about SLP shaming, um, you know, just that word, that term being used. I, I mean, obviously, I know that shaming happens all the time and, and all have different areas of life. But um, I was in a, a conference. Um, I was it was on fluency and it was on uh, early childhood um qualifying students for services and what that support should look like. And this is, fluency is, I am the first to say that's not my area of expertise. Um, I It makes me a little uncomfortable just because maybe of my lack of knowledge. So I had gone to that course and the presenter started giving an example of a student she started working with in a, in a private clinic um, that she qualified immediately. Um, and she had gone and looked at records where this child had been taken to a school to be tested and two times had been turned down for services. Um, and this child clearly needed support. And now two years had been wasted in which that child had, should have been receiving support. Um, and of course, as she's telling this story, I'm thinking of all the mistakes I've made in my life and the impact that may have had on people. And so it started to make me feel really bad um, until she said, I am not giving this example to make anyone feel bad. We, this is not about SLP shaming. And so she really started talking about that. And I, I loved that she said that because here's the deal. We we do make mistakes. We are human. Um, we don't know everything about everything. And so I think we can be all too quick to judge. Well, and here's the thing. That was her interpretation of the data as it was presented in a report. Right. Who knows if the team even accurately reported what went into their decision to not make the child eligible. And they were looking at it from an educational lens, too. So there could have been criteria factors that, you know, the kid could have received support privately, but maybe right. just didn't meet educational eligibility. So there might have been a lot of data that either wasn't reported or really was discussed as a team that went into that decision. But ultimately, people do the best uh, that they can do and make the best decision, decisions they can at the time. So that even comes into play. Like I've received some IEPs before or have been on the phone with SLPs talking about IEPs that they've received where they're like, how did they write this goal or why did they do this? Uh, or that transfer IEP that happens a lot oh, too. yeah. I know. And we do. And I was going to say, sometimes I'm doing the judging. Sometimes right. I read those goals and I'm like, what the hell were they thinking? So kind of the pause that I would have in my conversations with people is exactly that, that, you know, they did the best. They made the decisions they could with the data they had at the time. So give them the benefit of the doubt. Yep. And so yourself too, if you ever look back and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I do this? Well, you know, you did the best with the information you had at the time. And as Oprah always says, you learn better, you do better. Right. You know, better you do better right so um but maybe they did make a really well thought out guess but then not everyone is great about documenting or maybe they didn't maybe they didn't maybe they didn't have the expertise in that area that they missed something right maybe they did because guess what we do that and I, I, here's the thing i think what this comes down from is is we assume knowledge and we assume that because we all have the same degree we have that same level of experience. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Most of the experience we get in, in this field is on the job. 
Right. And we all kind of pick something we like um, for whatever reason we like it, um, and we become more of an expert in some areas than others. And so I think in this case, this is a fluency expert who qualified this student. And so, you know, her lens is going to be very, very different than probably that receiving SLP at the school um, setting. And even as I'm saying this, I think school SLPs sometimes get a bad rap um, because of those kinds of decisions, you know, where they they didn't treat a student the way they should have be, be, been treated or qualified a student or they're not supporting the student because they're a school-based SLP and they don't know anything. Right. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, our, our scope of, sequ- of knowledge is extensive. And so um, it's just that that person, that's what she does day in and day out. And so the lens is just different, not better, just different. Right. So that comes into play, I think, too, when you're in those meetings that you have an outside SLP that sometimes parents will defer to this outside SLP or even um, sometimes the tone in those meetings can be a little funky. I mean, it can be that they're coming at you with X, Y, and Z. And because you are feeling the pressure of somebody coming at you, you forget everything that you know. Right. So that has happened to me. Even I've I've been in some of those tense meetings before where I'm like, oh, I wish I would have said this and that. But then I love when I went to those as the lead SLP where I was supporting another SLP because I felt like I could, the emotion wasn't there for me. They weren't kind of attacking my judgment. I was removed from the situation so I could be sort of that advocate for our school-based SLP. But just because somebody works in a clinic or works in a school doesn't make one better than the other. And so everybody just needs to bring the the data they have and collaborate and say, what are you seeing? What am I seeing? That's all different lenses of the same child, which is ultimately going to make the best um, treatment decisions for him if you're using all of that data and not spending your time you know, trying to figure out who knows more. Exactly right. It should come from collaboration. That's the purpose of the team is that we all bring something to the table. Um, and, and these should be discussions um, that are positive and supportive and not attacking. Um, and I, I do, I see it a lot. I've, I've been in similar situations where out, you know, the, the home therapist says one thing that I'm saying something different. Um, and the parent kind of is siding with that home therapist. Um, and so then it's almost like a pissing contest or something. And really, it's just different a different lens again. Well, and I, think about it. It's a different relationship, yeah. too. That home therapist or the clinic therapist, the parent is getting regular contact with, typically weekly. And so there is that relationship that then lends to more respect, in a sense, because you value information from somebody you know better. Right. So um, I think part of it is you need to get in on that relationship. If a student is seeing somebody outside, then you should have a relationship with that person, too. So you don't feel like the only time you're coming together is at these meetings when there's differences in opinions on programming recommendations at the school. And you can actually have had some of those conversations of this is the where I'm coming from, this is what I see, this is how I feel, this is the data I have, and you can get that information back from the outside therapist, and then it really does become collaboration versus confrontation. Yeah. why would you not work together? I never understood that, you know, and, and I'm guilty of it. In my first few years working, um, I never reached out to the, the home therapist or the, the outside therapist at ever. Um, and so then, you know, obviously, then the, the treatment plan probably wasn't as good as it could have been had I just made that phone call. Right. What are you working on? What do you see? 
seeing. You know, here's what I'm seeing. You know, if you're going to work on this, maybe I'll work on this. I mean, can you imagine the difference you make when you're working together? And you don't even have to make it a phone call all the time. I mean, we live in this beautiful age of technology of, hey, let me send you my progress report. Can you send me yours? And if you have any questions or let's like kind of, you can email some of this information too, or um, use some of our digital ways of communication. And, but the point is, is make the contact. Right. And we shouldn't be embarrassed. And I think that's what it comes down to a lot of the times. Um, I, you know, we're the first to throw ourselves under the bus now. I haven't always been willing to admit that I didn't know something. Um, you know, I've always been willing to ask questions and, and look into things that I don't know. But I haven't. But that's oh, huge. Yeah, right. No, that's no, a I, huge. It I mean, is. That, because that is saying you don't know everything. And thank goodness I know what I don't know. Right. I think it's one of my greatest strengths. Um, but I. I have felt those times where I'm embarrassed to admit that this isn't something I'm really strong in and sought help um, from somebody who might have been an expert in it. You know, I, I should have taken those opportunities to do that. I think I, that's probably where I wasted more time was trying to um, kind of figure it out. I do think we learn the most from our failures. Um, and so I always, I look back at experiences that I've had and, and mistakes I've made. Um, and I learn from those, but it's, it's still embarrassing. One of my, um, probably most embarrassing stories, I think in my early years was working with my first student with the cleft palate. Um, I think I got about two hours of that in a, in grad school. I think with the, actually it was the expert in this state. And I mean, when I'm talking expert, she is the go-to in this area. She works for the craniofacial department of one of our largest hospitals. And, um, she's just brilliant, but she literally came and did a two hour presentation on cleft palate. Like that's all I had. And so I, um, really struggled with writing his goals and I did, I am resourceful. So I did go look, um, and, you know, try to Google and find the answers of, of what treatment goals I should do and how what supports I should be giving this child. Um, looked at research, things like that. I wrote my goals. He did not make a lot of progress. Um, it was very, very painful. I didn't get very far. He left for summer break, actually went to the clinic where this expert in cleft palates uh, worked. He came back and all of his sounds were eliminated and he no longer needed speech therapy. So I think she worked with him for about six weeks. I was humiliated. You should have been fired. I should have been fired. <laughs> I was humiliated, and I remember thinking that mom knows the difference. Yeah. I've had this student all year, and that woman was able to fix things um, in a six-week summer program, um, and it was embarrassing, and I really took that kind of like as a defeat. Instead um, of maybe taking it as a learning opportunity right. and reaching out and say, hey, what did you do? I've been struggling with this student. Exactly. And don't get caught. Like, have that moment. It's okay to be like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of this? Even to reach out to this person or whatever before but, you know, life happens. Oh, I think of the goals I wrote and what she must have thought of me for these goals that I gave him. They were probably so inappropriate. Um, it was. It was embarrassing. And what the problem was is I was comparing my expertise to hers. This is a woman. This is what she does every single day and has done it for years. This was my first child with a cleft palate. Right. Why would I have compared myself to her? You know, and that I think that's what a lot of it comes down to is we think we should know everything. And right. it's just not possible. We are. We're our own worst critics. I mean, I think it, as a profession, as women, as, you know, in so many aspects, we do tend to put our energy into the, oh man, kind of moments, but just turn it around. Like again, have that moment, but then figure out what you can learn from that right. and how you learn from that. And then moving forward, when you have that kind of case again, what would you do better the next time. Right. Because I like what you said. Our, the intentions are good. Nobody's writing these goals or making these decisions um, because they don't care. They just, again, their wheelhouse is a little different. They might not um, 
have, you know, strengths in those areas that they're attempting to treat. And we've talked about this before in the schools. We do not have the benefit of referring out. We have to see these students um, regardless of what it is their needs are. Um, and so I think we need to be kind. We need to be kinder to those SLPs out there. Again, guilty of this something that I'm always working on. Um, but we need to, to look to support each other and not attack and not shame. And be comfortable asking questions. Yeah. I used to coach a lot of um, CFs and new SLPs, and it's okay to ask questions. And actually, that's preferable than to try to fake your way into knowing it. And I know one of your favorite expressions is fake it till you make it, which right. I, I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to more of don't act like you're an expert if you're not. It's right. okay to say, I don't have that answer right now. Let me look into it or to provide a little general information and then look into it deeper. But don't just let it stay there. Don't pretend like you know something and then right. just keep going with that, you know, without any investigation and research into what you do need to be doing. Right. It's huge. Yeah, it is. It's okay to say you don't know something. And we talked about this in our, our podcast on um, being called a speech teacher, but that expert trap you know, that we all get ourselves in, that, that we are supposed to know everything about everything. There is not a profession in the world that you could ever say, I know everything about everything on this. Right. I don't think, you know, and particularly with us, we work with people. And so even if you've been doing this 35 years, there's going to be a kid that walks into your speech room one year that rocks your little speech world where you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't used that. What you do have as an advantage of having been in a field for a long time is lots of other clinical experience and lots of other reference that you can compare that student to and working through some of these mistakes in the past that you're like, oh yeah, I did that for this student. Let me do that for this student. But it's that recognition of you're not supposed to know everything ever, ever. And if you think you do, that's a bigger problem. Yeah. It's a bigger problem. Uh, You know, and and let's go back to the the Facebook groups really quickly. I um, love technology, obviously, and I love where we're at in this field. Ten years ago, we did not have these resources that we have today. Truth. And so we are in a very good place for being able to seek out information. There are really great resources out there, including those communities that are on Facebook. And so I love that that's a place to ask questions and to share. Um, Its intention, I believe, was to be a support and um, a community. And there's some ugliness out there sometimes. Right. And I think it's really unfortunate that we're doing that, that we're playing that SLP shame game in these groups. Because guess what? I'm not asking a question. I'm never going to put myself out there in that group and with that fear of judgment and shame. And so, you know, that's the intention was to allow people to do that. And we're really, really ruining it by um, ever coming on attack against somebody else. Right. Because if somebody's coming, asking something, maybe they're not asking it in the right way, but don't put that in the comments. Like I, I, the ones that kind of make me cringe sometimes is when you see pictures or you see really identifiable information where you know that that is not the best way to ask the question that they're trying to get the answer to. So instead of putting that in the comments, it's a great way to just direct message them and say, Hey, you know, just wanted to let you know that this, you know, you may not want to put anything that's identifying and it's tone. It's how you support. It's how you mention it instead of saying, what the hell are you thinking putting a picture up? And this right. is so this. And this is an EBP and blah, 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 blah. And right. I mean. Yeah. Evidence-based practice. We are going to have a very special guest in the confessional soon um, talking about research and um 
clinical uh, people practicing in the field um, and, and what they're doing with research and maybe not doing with research. And so I'm excited to have Dr. Meredith Harold come in and talk about this because she's got a great lens on the um, research side of it, the science side of it. That's something she's really interested in. She loves it, but she's also been a practicing clinician in a school. And so she saw that that gap between research and actual practice. Um, and so she's got some great solutions um, that she's going to be able to share with us. And she does it in a way that comes from understanding. And she does it in a way that um, never belittles or talks down. She doesn't make me feel stupid. Um, she's able to take a research article and summarize it for me. So that makes sense to me, right? Uh, because it's not my my favorite thing in the world to do is is you know dive through research articles. Does that make me a bad SLP? I mean, it's just I, I don't know. You know, I think I would never engage in any of those arguments on Facebook, but we see it all the time. Yes, and people get nasty. They sure do. And there's a better way to do it. It should be coming from a place of help and and education, and never shame. Mm-hmm. You know, when you started to say Meredith's name, I heard Dr. Meredith and my brain filled in Gray from Gray's Anatomy. Uh, so yes. I, I thought that's who we were going to have as a special guest. Cool. I don't think she knows much about speech pathology. But she could maybe have somebody write a script for her, though. Right. And could share. Exactly. No, no. Dr. Harold is coming in here soon, and that's going to be a really great topic. So bottom line, what do we want everyone to take away from this? I think first thing is that you're a lifelong learner. Yes. Do Ask not questions. be afraid to say you don't know. It's okay. And and again and I think the second thing we want you to take away is stop judging. You know, try to see things from an open mind and a place of understanding because we don't know what those SLPs um, are working with. We don't know the skill set that they have. Um, And just because you see one or two bad goals from an SLP doesn't mean they're a terrible SLP. We don't know um, what the circumstances were in that treatment plan. And another thing is just communication in general, whether that mean in sense of collaboration or when you are engaging with people in these sort of online forums, be respectful, be open to receive that information and give information from a positive place. Yeah. And don't beat yourself up. Here's the deal is we are all doing the best we can. And, you know, and that is, that's all that we can ask for is everybody's, you know, trying to do the best they can and do what's best for students. Um, And I stopped looking back at those mistakes I made in the early years, unless I was going to learn something from them. Um, But I, I, I'm not going to try to make myself feel guilty about decisions I made when I, I didn't know as much. Agreed. Okay. So there we go. I'm excited. We're going to have our next podcast, though, before we have the uh, Dr. Um, Meredith Harold. We're going to have. I messed I you up there, didn't I? Yeah, thanks it's a lot. It's Meredith really Gray. Throwing me off. Um, we're going to have Anne Page from Beautiful Speech Life is going to be in the confessional next, and it's a perfect segue into the next podcast because we're talking about that idea, kind of a fake it till you make it, and what if you don't even know where to start, and um, and so I think that's going to be a really good one. Love it. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. Peace out.